All right, guys, welcome to Wide Awake Radio. I am your host, Charlie McGrath. It is the 29th day. That's the only time we'll have this day uh, in the next four years of February, Wednesday. I'm very honored to uh, have uh, Stefan. I'm going to say the name wrong. I just asked him a minute ago how to say it. Molneux. Mol- I'm not French background, so I'm Irish. It's hard for me to say anything more than two syllables. He's going to be our guest for the entire He'll be coming on uh, in just a minute. I want to make a couple of announcements first. Um, you know, first of all, the first and most important announcement I want to make is uh, happy birthday to my son, who is a leap baby, and he's uh, technically three years old, but in reality, he's 12 years old today, so I want to uh, wish him a happy birthday and uh, give him a shout out because he has to deal with a dad who comes home and uh, goes on the radio and complains about the government, complains about the financial system, complains about oppression, uh, complains about freedom, complains about liberty, uh, and he takes it all in stride, and I greatly love him. I I love him dearly and greatly appreciate the sacrifice he makes in order for uh, me to come on here and do this program every night. So happy birthday, son. I love you. Um, And another announcement I want to make, and this should make uh, the folks in the chat extremely happy, Um, we have finally uh, secured a two-hour time slot um, Jeff Rince has uh, more than uh, graciously, generously uh, expanded the program from one to two hours. That will take place. Uh, so just uh, you know, a couple weeks away, we will be from the 5 p.m. Uh, West Coast to uh, 7 p.m. West Coast time slot. Uh, and the, the schedule will reflect that at WideAwakeNews.com. You'll see uh, right now there's a two-week looking forward schedule. We will expand that to, uh, to have the both hours covered in there. And I'll be making announcements uh, in the next few days on who of some of the co-hosts are going to be. I'm going to tap into Alternative Media and have some folks come on a couple days a week to fill one of those, uh, uh, those uh, hour spots and bring their perspective and their uh, guests to the program. So truly expanding the program. Uh, and I don't think it's a, a moment too soon. And I know a lot of you won't. Uh, you will we'll feel the same way. <laughs> I know a lot of you won't care. <laughs> I don't mean that. I know a lot of you will feel the exact same way. All right, so we have over 100 people in the chat room right now. If you're listening on Rinse Radio and not in the chat room, get in the chat room. It's going to be, if nothing else, an entertaining program tonight. Uh, if you're wanting to watch me do this program live, we have, for some reason, we keep getting kicked off of Justin TV, but I keep uh, loading it back up. Right now, we have about 50 people watching there. Uh, you can access their uh, that feed through the chat room. Now, for those of you who are listening on Justin TV, I, I was talking to Stefan about trying to get my thoughts together. Now, you know, th- this is a big guess for us. I mean, Stefan is everywhere. Everybody knows him. He's got 40,000 plus. Uh, the police are looking for him. <laughs> no, everybody knows him. He's got 40,000 plus uh, subscribers on YouTube. He's been on Max Kaiser, Alex Jones. He's an author. Free Domain Radio, 25 million downloads. Um, and I, there's specific things that I wanted to pick his brain about because he's just an absolutely outstanding philosopher. And I'm trying to write these down. I want to talk about markets. I want to talk about liber- uh, libertarian. I want to talk about perception of uh, free market capitalism that we're all, you know, subjected to. But I, I'm so sidetracked, I'm so sidetracked by, this, by the very hubris nature uh, of, uh, of the people we call leadership in this country. You know, and uh, you know what, let me just bring stuff on now, because I, if I go off, I'm going to go off for 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to, I don't want to, I'm going to go into a Bernanke rant, and that will, that will burn up the entire hour. Uh, Stefan, thank you very much for joining uh, me. It's finally, uh, it's great to finally speak to you. It's a real pleasure and honor to have you 
on uh, sorry for those who don't know a Bernanke rant is a kind of rash that can be only treated by gold leaf uh, <laughs> so you might want to just layer a little bit of that on you uh doesn't have to be 24 karat 14 karat will do and that tends to cure the fiat currency rash the paper cuts well, of the monopoly money we call currency <laughs> outstanding unfortunately i'm gonna have to use uh, silver leaf because uh, i am a poor man and it is the poor man's gold uh, <laughs> that's right Welcome to the program. It's an honor to finally speak to you. I am a great big fan of your work. Uh, I love Free Domain Radio. I love what you do on YouTube. And uh, I love just about every position that you take, and I agree with them. And I'm very jealous that you can go out and do a commentary video. Uh, you know, I've got labeled over the last couple of years as, you know, the, this guy who likes to come out here and rant. And you come out and you do it, but you do it with style and grace and dignity. And I'm very jealous of you of that. And, uh, Stop it. I want you to be a little more angry from now on. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. Let me not laugh at that. Okay, I'm ready. I'm just, okay. What I do, I just, I just kicked a beam in my room. And my toe is throbbing. I think I'm ready to roll. <laughs> All right, let's get into it a little bit. I, you know, here we look at the world, right? We, you've been talking about this uh, for a lot longer than I have, and I've been going uh, ad nauseum on the uh, obvious tyranny that, that's springing up in my country, and, and as well as yours, I, I spent uh, I've spent quite a bit of time in Canada over the last several months. And uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, when I was there, the pe- and I told you before the program, not unfortunately, the people are absolutely wonderful. They remind me all of Midwestern uh, United States folks, real good folks, real willing to uh, sit and have a conversation with you. And truly, I would say, from the people I've talked to there compared to here, awake to what's going on, I think it has something to do with 30 million versus 300 million, and whatever your big brother down south is doing is certainly affecting you. The things that I've seen in Canada in the last uh, trip up that terrify me, especially for my friends in Canada, is the path that they're going on, especially uh, economically. Uh, I've been in the, my day job has always been in the housing sector for for 20 Mm -hmm. years. And I see this expansion up there that is not sustainable. I see, you know, I have friends that, uh, that are, uh, you know, managers of very large uh, companies buying house after house, trying, uh, trying to catch, you know, trying to catch the next uh, rise up and make a little money before they flip it. And, and I, I know what's coming. And I, it's coming just as clear as the nose on my face. There will be a bust in Canada, and uh, there, you know these these housing prices will do the exact same thing if they're not already starting to. What we've seen here in the United States, which is a nosedive, and a lot of people will be left holding the bag up there. It might, it probably won't be as bad because you guys never uh, quite got into the outrageous lending practices uh, that we've had here. But I see the, the same trajectory there, and I wanted to get your take on that before uh, we got into any other geopolitical topics. What do you see happening uh, economically inside of Canada? Is it mirroring what happened here, or do you think it's taking a little uh, better, smarter path? Well, I think that without a doubt, the economic indicators that sort of were right before and predicated the U.S. housing crash are almost all in place in, in Canada. Yep. So I think that there's no doubt, you know, the, the percentage of GDP that's going into home payments, the debt to ratio, the debt to uh, income ratios and so on, they're all similar. The, the continuing rise in house prices, uh, it, you know, we're overdue for a correction. Uh, in fact, in the McLean's magazine that was just delivered to my house today, there's a big article basically like, now is the time to panic. <laughs> now, you, of course, you get that from the media every week, but I think that there's some compelling evidence that the Canadian housing market is going to crash. And, this is, of course, 
so tragic. It's so unnecessary. Um, why do people get into real estate as an investment? Because if you put money in the bank, the fiat currency printing press robs it of its value, whether you like it or not. If you put your money uh, under your mattress, it, it vaporizes as well as the uh, inflation, which is the effect of increased printing of money, causes the value of your money to erode. You can try putting it in the stock market, but that's a real roller coaster, and not many people have the time or inclination or stomach to do that uh, in any kind of regular basis. And so as wages have stagnated and declined over the past 20 or 30 or 40 years in various sectors, as particularly male unemployment has cratered, particularly in the manufacturing sectors, people have said, uh, how are people sustaining these lifestyles? Well, you know, as they did in the US, they're turning their houses into ATMs uh, on the mad fantasy that they're always will continue to go up in value. Uh, this is, you know, mathematically that which cannot be sustained will end at some point. I think that point is close, and I think it is going to cause a significant... Um, I mean, the, the bubble is illusion, fundamentally. The bubble is illusion, the illusion that a printing press uh, has anything to do with real money, the illusion that something that is a fixed value that erodes in value over time, like a house, can increase in value indefinitely, uh, the, the idea that the government can manage the economy, that pointing guns at people can make everyone richer, the idea that debt is the same as wealth. These are all the illusions that need to be punctured intellectually, philosophically, morally. These are the illusions that need to be punctured. And until they are, these economic illusions will merely be a byproduct of that central, those central series of fantasies. And look how fast we've jumped from housing market to uh, to global fantasy, which is what we truly, you know, we're... we're we're dealing with here, and, 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 and it's funny. It is funny to an extent, it, especially when we can sit around and, uh, and and you're awake and you see what's going on and you see the trajectory Canada's on. You see the trajectory that the United States is still on, and, and we can joke about it. But what isn't funny about it is the fact that people are really uh, suffering around this planet because of it. I mean, you can't turn on a computer or, or your television without seeing the latest propaganda. Uh, piece coming out, you know, and it just happens to be Syria today. You know, I have a piece of my uh, on my website showing Syria. The, the the U.S. is now concerned that the weapons of mass destruction, chemical weapons inside of Syria, uh, could be a real problem uh, for U.S. troops if we go in there to provide the umbrella shield. Stefan, when is this? I, I mean, well, of course, sorry, of course, they're they're going around sticking their sticks into various is extremist hornet's nests around the world because when you face economic instability at home rather than have the people question the ethics and the efficacy of the self-destructing system that they're trapped in you have to go around poking all of these idiots overseas so that they'll come and cause lots of problems and then you get the external unity this is what always happens in late empire the economy collapses under the debt and money printing that occurs in late empire, it happened in England, it happened in Greece, it happened in the ancient world, in the Roman Empire. And so you go and you start, try and start wars. This is how you get rid of excess populations, and this is how you create artificial unity within a collapsing system. So uh, this is as predictable as sunrise. Well, let's let's run with that a little bit, because, you know, we, we can look at uh, history in this country. We can look at the last depression. It was global, but, you know, it truly uh, did exactly what you said. It unloaded masses amounts of debt. It unloaded uh, millions and millions of people, and it set up the new empire. You know, it set up the new empire, the new uh, uh, oceanic empire, as uh, Warren Pollock says, which was the United States. We are the policemen of the world. But now we see this, this amount of debt 
uh, not even fathomable. You know, we, we look at the debt loads of the Great Depression, uh, and when, when you still had a currency, even though we had the Federal Reserve System, we still had a currency that was backed by something. You couldn't print it uh, forever. You could confiscate all the gold, change the value of it, print more money. That was money printing. But now we have debt loads that, that are impossible, mathematically impossible to pay back. We have, we have nations that are willing to give up their sovereignty, at least their leadership is. We see that in Greece right now. We see them, a gun held to their head saying, if you don't give up your representative government, if you don't give up your sovereignty, you know, we will pull you out of the euro and you will collapse. Well, they've already collapsed, but regardless of that, the, the uh, so-called representation they have have absolutely no problem stepping up and giving away everything of the nation in order to appease the bankers. My point is this. We, we've, seen glo- we've seen global depressions before, but never anything on this scale, never anything with the, where mankind had the technology and the ability to completely and totally wipe out humanity as it sits you know how close are we to that that tipping point Stefan where we just well listen you you may find it in your generous heart to summon a little little bit more sympathy for the average uh, citizen than I can Europe is facing of course the same thing that Europe and 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 America and Canada has been inflicting on the third world for decades for decades which is that you load them down with debt and then somebody has to pay off that debt. Is it either going to be the bankers who take a haircut, who lose their shirt, or is it going to be the people? Well, the bankers want the people, and the people want the bankers. In Iceland, they actually happen to get the people didn't pay, the bankers did. But for most of the world, uh, it's the people who suffer. Now, if people have ignored the reality of international finance, the, the, the predations and the unbelievable horrors of uh, what is called um, foreign aid, which is basically arms of money to dictators, and the enslavement of, say, South America, of, of Africa in endless debt uh, through the IMF and through other uh, international agencies, then, you know, this has been played out overseas. It's been well reported in the Western media. And if people have ignored that and they're now shocked that it's being turned on them, well, I think uh, it's sort of like you can, in 1930, you could have, you, you could receive some sympathy for not knowing that smoking uh, was associated with lung cancer. Because, you know, it wasn't kind of common knowledge. Now your body is saying, I'm coughing up a piece of road and I can't climb a speed bump. And so maybe you have some idea, just on your own empirical physical experience, that smoking isn't that great for you. But people who say now, well, we didn't know that fiat currency was a problem. What do you mean national debt is a problem? National debt has been known about by everybody with an IQ over their shoe size for about 60 years. And so anybody who says, well, we uh, we didn't know this was a problem. I mean, Greece has been living high off the hog by leeching off the better credit ratings of of countries like Germany for the past 20 years. And they they knew it was ridiculous. They're not paying any taxes. They have retire at 50 on full pensions. I mean, everybody knows that's unsustainable. So I agree with you. People are suffering. But I find it hard. I find it hard. I try. It's like squeezing an old lemon sometimes, trying to get more sympathy out of my wizened, raisin heart. But I find it really hard to have a lot of sympathy for people to whom this coming disaster was repeatedly warned about by major economists who won the Nobel Prize, by basic math literacy, by the media, by any website you care to type in. Uh, it's really, really been evident for many, many, many years that this is going to happen. So people who are feigning surprise now, they just seem a little bit precious to me. I, excellent point. And, and there's absolutely no doubt that uh, you know we, we've seen this entitlement mentality uh, be lured, people, nations have been lured into this, and, and maybe you'll, you'll find offense with that word. But you know, the fact of the matter is, when you have people that can seem to have the ability to produce 
uh, one entitlement after another, and, and it goes on for generations. You know, and, and you're told the whole time, you know, deficits don't matter. Uh, you know, th- these these magnificent billion tr- or multi-billion dollar deficits now multi-trillion. But it's the government who's telling you deficits don't matter. That's like going to the Philip Morris website and expecting the truth about tobacco. I mean, come on, let's be a little skeptical about the source here. These are people who wanted to jack up the, uh, the what's that, Rumsfeld who said, was it, who said deficits don't matter. But yeah. these are the people who want to run up deficits to bribe their way into power. Okay. People who give you free stuff are always going to say that's no problem. I mean, that's, the, I mean, we have some skepticism as to the source. It's like a public school teacher not being left of center. I mean, if they're a public school teacher. Of course, they're going to be left of center. I mean, let, let's put a little bit of a thinking cap on. We're not that brain dead that we, we don't have that little bit of responsibility anymore. Well, let, let me speak for a, a nation of 310 million when I say, yes, we are. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I'm sorry, sorry. One guy just pinged me and said he disagrees with you. But I think the rest of them, so 310 minus one, uh, you're all set. <laughs> I, let, let, let me let me play devil's advocate because yeah. I love doing that. Let, let's say you 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 go through you, you believe the propaganda that you're immersed in nonstop twenty four hours a day seven days a week especially you know especially now especially in the last uh, twenty years it's nonstop propaganda and it's corporate owned propaganda so you grow up in this you go to you go through the school system you go through uh, you, the university system you go and uh, you, you live your adult life immersed in this propaganda and you believe that deficits don't matter you believe that we're really spreading air quotes democracy around the world you believe that the people in the middle east want to come over here and steal your rights so it's important that we uh, have this outrageous military spending and we police the world we believe the garbage when we go to the theater and we have to endure a three-minute commercial telling me how the u.s navy is a global force for good so we're immersed into this we you know the, the nation is immersed the world for the western world is immersed into this. So cutting some slack for being born into and raised in this nonstop propaganda environment, cutting some slack for some of that, but not cutting slack for looking at the last four or five years where we have debt bombs going off globally and we have the solution being more debt. But what we see in the last four years is more debt being created. But when we see the, the needle of sovereign debt, it pegs. It goes from $9 trillion in the United States to pointing at $16 trillion now, announced. And we see the rest of the world going the same way. All this sovereign debt being added onto the balance sheet of the people of the nations. At the same time, the bankers who will not realize a loss are demanding more and more. I do not hold uh, any... Uh, pity for the people in, in nations now, including my very own, including Canada or anywhere else in the world, who don't see the greatest crime, the greatest ripoff in the history of mankind occurring right now. And it's been at a full-on uh, pedal-to-the-metal pace for the last three and a half, four years. So I, I, I do hold some sympathy for the people who are, are, are you know, shaking off reality that they've uh, grown up in. But you're right. The, the notion that the world can live uh, without regard to uh, you know spending uh, indefinitely or invading indefinitely that notion must come to an end and if it doesn't it will be you know the end result will be what Stefan Neil well let me let me let me grab your devil's advocate by the horns and put it someplace unmentionable because uh, I would argue that the internet and to some degree the Ron Paul campaigns uh, from 08 and, and the current year have taken the get out of jail free card out of people's hands um, look there was no internet in, in 1914, 1915, 1916, and the anti-war movement 
in the U.S. prior to uh, Wilson putting uh, the U.S. into the war in 1917 was huge. I mean, the the, the leader of the Socialist Party, Eugene Debs, uh, went to jail uh, sick. Uh, to, to over 200,000 people were draft dodgers in America. Uh, and that was a war that was owned by the mainstream media of the time. And there were no alternatives. Look at the, the there was no internet in the 1960s. There was not even much of an alternative media. There was maybe some ham radio, but there was a massive and growing anti-war movement. And so people who say, well, you know, I've just been immersed in this media. This is No, it's, uh, you know, the, the, if you don't have a computer, there's a library down the street where internet access is free. And you say that you live, not you, but people say, oh, I live in a democracy, I vote. Well, if you vote, then you have the responsibility to learn about the candidates. Now that Ron Paul has been in the race, people yeah, got to find out about it. They got the access to information. There are no excuses left. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm going to let you finish your point. Guys, we got 121 people in the chat. We have uh, 50, 70 people watching on Justin TV. Hang out. We're going to be back with Stefan and more Wide Awake Radio in five and a half minutes. Hang tight. All right, guys, welcome back to Wide Awake Radio. I'm your host, Charlie McGrath. Let's get right back into it because I know this uh, last half hour is going to absolutely fly by. Stefan, would you, would you like to give your, uh, your information out, website, freedomainradio.com, uh, any other sites we can find your work at, which I'm sure everybody's already uh, aware of. But in case there's one person listening who's not, how can we uh, find your work? Uh, sure, it's uh, freedomainradio.com. You can also go to youtube.com forward slash freedomainradio for videos. It's it's all free. There's no ads. Uh, it's, there's no ads on the website. There's no ads in the podcast because I have the business sense of cheese string. And so just uh, the book, I've got a bunch of books there. They're all free. Uh, you can download whatever you want. If you like stuff, please feel free to donate. It's, it's gratefully appreciated. Uh, but, uh, you know, consume, consume. Gorge at the buffet of philosophy. And if you burp up a few coins, we'll try and catch them. As he says, as we come out of commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not everybody's business model. It just happens to be mine. I, my string cheese uh, economics course is not quite complete yet, but it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right, let, let's get into it. We, we've established the fact that we, we are getting, we are getting by uh, in one way or another what we deserve. We've had excess uh, for decades in, in, on this planet, and now we're shocked when we find out that it's blowing up in our face. Um, we talked during uh, the the break about you know w the people are being asked to shoulder the burden uh, for you know all this excess when the leadership and namely the banking uh, cabal global banking cabal is not going to experience in any of this loss. But I, I see a, a moment here, tipping point coming, and, and I want to get your take on this. We're going to hit a brick wall globally, and we're going to go one of a few ways. Right? We'll have this uh, uh, realization that you know what I don't need. I don't need this incredible, insane amount of uh, legislation in order to govern my life. I don't need uh, wars being fought in my name in order to secure energy for the uh, for corporate profit for these energy companies. I don't need this. I don't need this being done. I don't need to see my kids into a sandbox that we've been in for uh, two decades. And I don't need him to go over there and wipe out entire uh, populations of people all in the name of some kind of uh, glorious uh, crusade to spread uh, supposed democracy around the world is humanity do you see a point right you you have to see a, an awakening occurring uh, especially over the last let's say five six years more and more people are realizing what's happening to them and, and what's being done in their name do you see a tipping point coming globally that that you know enough is enough and, and we get some kind of real change that leads to a positive outcome for mankind or is it the neo-feudal serfdom well, that's up to people like you and I, and it's up to people in the chat room, and it's up to people who listen to this. Uh, it's our choice about how the future goes. The people with knowledge, the people with um, 
reason, with evidence, with ethics, with consistency. It's our choice about how the world goes. The world goes the way of the most passionate and outspoken and fact-based and high-integrity communicators that there are. And so if we want the world to go left, if we want the world to go right, up and down, we hold the reins, we steer. Because in the long run, the world is shaped by ideas, not by fiat currency, not by guns, and not by imprisonment, not by laws. The world is shaped by ideas. We have the best ideas. And there's not even a right, there's not even a second best idea. We have the truth. We have the facts. We have the evidence. And so the world will go the way that we want it to go. We are going to win in the long run because the truth always wins in the long run. It can be a hell of a time getting there and it can be a bit of a carnage, but the truth will always win. And that is what I hold firm to. And, you know, if the truth doesn't win in my lifetime, at least I can go to my grave content that I did everything that I conceivably could to move the world in a better direction. But um, as we were talking about in the break, you know, was as far as people go, um, everybody's going to want to claim victimhood status. And I think we need to be very clear. The young are not to blame. The young are not to blame. They were put in crappy schools. Uh, they had They were born into a system they didn't ever voted for. They were sold off like cattle. The product to their future productivity was sold off to foreigners like cattle. It was an auction of the unborn, which is why it's so ridiculous to me that the GOP says that they're concerned with the rights of the unborn while piling up the national debt on the very tiny backs of the unborn. But uh, the young are not to blame. I think the boomers are heavily to blame. Uh, they had knowledge, they had account, they had responsibility, and the boomers was the generation that, to, certainly to me and probably to you, preached accountability. By God, if you weren't prepared for that spelling bee when you were seven, you got an F. You knew the spelling bee was coming, we told you, you forgot to study, too bad. Well, uh, all I do is I say, okay, well, if a moral rule was applicable to me at seven and I had to live with the consequences of those actions, then I think when you're 70, it's probably pretty much applicable as well. You can't have higher moral standards for a seven-year-old than you do for a 70-year-old. So, yeah, I do hold the boomers uh, and the people who've rejected reason and evidence that has been trumpeted from pretty loud parapets for many, many years. Uh, they are responsible, and if they ignored, and if they took the easy route, if they went with the crowd, if they uh, mouthed back to platitudes rather than looking for the facts, well, damn it, those choices have consequences. And uh, I don't know how to care for anybody without giving them responsibility. No, you're right. And, and what's, what's unfortunate is we, we still have that set, right? The 11 million, we talked on the break, 11 million baby boomers in this country last year uh, were looking for uh, their check, their, their Social Security check. Expected. And there's nothing there. There's right. nothing there. People say, oh, it's funded till 2030. No, what's in the vault is IOUs that are dependent upon the children being enslaved. I mean, there's nothing there. This is the richest generation that the world has ever seen retiring on the backs of the least privileged generation that has been seen in the West for quite some time, which is the young people, as you say, 80% of them moving back home after college because there's nothing for them in the workforce. These are the people that you want to feed your old age on because of the mistakes that you made as citizens and the government that you allowed to grow and the debt that you allowed to grow and the fight that you did not take, even though you had the example of the 60s radicals, and some of them were the 60s radicals, the fight that you did not take about restraining the power and the growth of the state. There are consequences, and they should not be borne by people, they should not be on the backs of people who weren't even born when these terrible decisions were made, or these confrontations were avoided. Yeah, and, and, and we, what do we have now? We have, you know, surging in the polls here, right, Santorum, his message, I, I watched a, a, a snippet of uh, an interview from him two days ago, and standing behind him, his big message now, the big message is personal accountability. And it, it's maddening. I mean, he, he, here we have, we have a, a system that has been built on, uh, you know, this mantra 
of uh, don't worry about what we're doing. Don't worry about what's being done in your name. Don't worry about the excess uh, money we're spending. We'll hand out these trinkets, and we'll hand out, and we'll always have this handout uh, available for you. But the the, re- the sledgehammer reality, you know, it's here, and we're going to feel it regardless. Personal accountability, my ass. 3,000 occupiers in jail. 3,000 occupiers in jail for putting tents up on grass. People who ripped off taxpayers, then the unborn for trillions of dollars. How many of them are in jail? Zero. The idea that we talk about personal accountability in this society is so cognitive dissident that it's like a scene from Scanners. People in the future will look back through the tunnel of time and wonder if there was not crack in our Evian water, that that we look at this world and can use the word with a straight face on a podium in a political context called personal accountability without running out to <laughs> indict these people who 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 bribed, who who stole, who defrauded, who robo-signed, who blew up property rights uh, for houses and sold them all over the world, and they have the gall to foreclose on people that they tricked into signing uh, these fraudulent... I mean, anyway, you could get me going for a while, but the, uh, this idea of personal accountability, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a personal sp- accountability for the helpless and the poor, not for the rich and the powerful. That's exactly right. And, and in fact, you mentioned Ron Paul and, and that message getting out in 2008. He made the ballot uh, in Montana in 2008. Um, I voted for him then, and I'm going to, of course, vote for him now. And he's the only one that's out there talking about the condition of the nation, how the excess has got us here, how he would go in and cut a trillion dollars uh, on day number one. And and here we, uh, you know, we have Ben Bernanke coming out today saying, oh, it's it's the excesses that it, that have caused uh, that this, we're heading for this financial cliff. Yet he's the one that facilitated the 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 balloon payment of excesses in the last uh, four and a half years. Do you see? Do you see this this nation, this empire, right? The United States, uh, nine hundred bases, uh, hundred plus countries. You, you know, propagandized nonstop global force for good. Do you see us turning into this fiat laden, uh, shoddy banana republic, uh, and with where we just have old people destitute in the street? You know, we'll still have the commercials running for uh, you know getting your uh, your uh, little rascal out so you can run down to Walmart and buy the latest imported good but do you see us just falling into this banana republic state where where we will be the labor of the world instead of using the pacific rim to build things for a buck a month we turn into this uh, to this new uh, uh, labor force of the world no i don't i don't see that see the banana republics um they always uh, they they grow up in countries that never went through the the enlightenment they never had a renaissance uh, they never had a separation of church and state they did not have the greek tradition and the roman tradition of empiricism and the socratic tradition of questioning and and reason and evidence so in cultures which have been heavily religious and and has have not gone through those uh, you know spasms of of midwifery that births some capacity for rationality in the human soul, they end up as banana republics. No, America's not going to do that. And, and I don't think that even England is probably not going to do that. There's too meaty a, a, and sinewy a bone marrow of liberty and freedom. Uh, liberty and freedom still means a lot in the United States. It still means a lot in Canada. We have too much of a tradition. You know, this experiment of the, the massive welfare nanny state, it's a generation or two old. 
it's 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 pretty new. Before that, we had hundreds of years of small government, stable prices, with some pretty horrendous exceptions, such as slavery and so on. But that is a pretty long tradition that goes all the way back to the Magna Carta. That's a thousand-year tradition of trying to limit the state. Okay, kind of, you know, it's like a big bar of slippery soap. It kind of got away from us <laughs> there uh, once we gave it the power to print its own money. Right. Um, but there's too strong a tradition. I don't think that we're going to go the way of some, you know, province in Venezuela. Uh, I think it's it's going to go uh, the way of of freedom if if we work if we work hard to get the message out and if we hold people accountable and do not give them the excuse excuse of feigned ignorance as to why we've ended up in this situation. This has been talked about for decades very loudly and not even in like crazy crank conspiracy theory corners, but in mainstream economics and. So I don't think we're going to go banana republic. I think there's going to be a very strong and powerful revolution. There's going to be a great relaxation of the fantasy or the delusion that more and more violence, more and more social control, more and more laws, more and more debt, more and more imprisonment is ever going to do anything other than give us a temporary high followed by the inevitable crash. And I think that it's going to be like... The drunk who wakes up, uh, you know, missing uh, his kidney, a wallet with a hooker's panties on his head in a Vegas ditch, he's going to be like, man, maybe it's time to quit my addiction. <laughs> yes, I, th- I believe if I woke up missing a kidney, I'd, I'd, I'd question some life choices there. <laughs> well, all right, let, let me ask you this. You know, let, we, do, we don't go the route of Banana Republic. Do we just fall into, I mean, at some point, the, the the complete uh, uh, realization is going to be there's going to be no more covering it over. There's going to be no more we're going to print money to cover it over. It's just it's not sustainable. Even uh, Ron Paul today said that, uh, you know, we're, we're, the Fed is going to crack under its own weight. Is that does that equate to, you know, we're going to go through this massive depression and then, uh, the you know, this awakening and this rebirth of liberty uh, and these uh, libertarian ideas are going to grab hold. Uh, you know, do we have to go through all yeah, this? Yeah, it's, it's, it's quick. I mean, it, you know, we can take this band off, bandit off slowly and painfully, or we could do it quick. You know, n- not many people know, and it's, you know, a pretty boring fact in isolation, but relative to the current context, there was a, a depression uh, in 1920, right after the Second World War, that was much worse than a 1929 depression, but it was done in less than 18 months, over in 18 months, and growth resumed. And that was right after a war that killed 10 million Europeans, that laid waste to France, that destroyed untold trillions of dollars worth of, of capital in, uh, in, in the world, that stripped uh, resources out of production by blowing them up repeatedly. Uh, so that was a very bad situation. That's not, wow, we got a bunch of houses that are empty. That was like the decimation of the youth and the capital of the Western world. I mean... The, the, the First World War destroyed almost all the economic progress that had occurred over the past 100 years. 100 years. Europe was like a smoking crater. Right. And, or at least Western Europe. And so that was a, a huge readjustment. Everyone came home. And then you had the Spanish flu, which I think killed almost, I mean, more, killed more. Yeah, 20, 10 million people dead in the First World War, 20 million people dead from the Spanish flu, which yeah. was directly spread by the soldiers returning from the First World War. And so there you, 30 million people dead, a smoking crater, uh, and, you know, messed up a capital, right? And then the economy happened, recovery happened pretty quickly, even after a catastrophic uh, depression or recession in 1920. So it can be, we're in much better shape than uh, than people were in 1919-1920. That was over in 18 months. And if we simply were to you know, screw our courage to the sticking place, as Macbeth says, steal our courage, steal our resolve, do what is necessary. 
blow away regulations, let people trade, uh, tear up contracts and let people negotiate in the free market without governments uh, enforcing contracts in the public and private sector, get rid of the minimum wage so that disadvantaged youth could not have an unemployment rate of higher than, than uh, you know, 30 or 40%. If we did all of that, it would be 18 months to two years and we would be right as rain. And it, those would not be fun, but it could be that quick. But what's going to happen, of course, is there's a huge, every interest group wants special treatment and exemption from the general rigidity of the rules. And, and so if polit if we don't get a politician or, or a thinker or someone who's able to make that case clearly and concisely and powerfully enough and to call on human beings capacity for sacrifice, you know, capacity for sacrifice is a very untapped a resource in society because we've got kind of lazy and entitled right human beings can make amazing sacrifices new parents can stay up three days straight with a sick kid you can go lots of people will volunteer or sign up for the draft to go to war and get their heads blown off human beings can make amazing sacrifices for causes that they believe in yep. it is our job to make that case to make that cause so people will accept the jagged pill the bitter pill take their medicine and let the world begin to heal uh, if we do that, we'll be fine. If we try and soften it, we're going to end up like Japan in, in a recession for, what are they going over 20 years now? They've tried spending trillions of dollars in stimulus. They've tried regulating every aspect of the economy and they've just ended up in this permanent recession. And uh, if we try that, we'll have the same results. If we take the band aid off quickly, uh, we'll be up and walking before you know it. I agree with that. And, and I don't think we have to look at that uh, 1920 depression. To, I mean, we can look back at that 18 months and, and we were back on, on a path of growth because we let free markets work. But e even if we look at little microcosms, you know, if we look at Iceland, Iceland told the banks to go to hell. We're, we're not going to uh, immerse ourselves further in debt so you don't realize the loss. And, you know, they, their currency imploded. They, they defaulted on their debt. But now if you look at the, you know, the unemployment rate in Iceland, now I get called out on this sometimes because people say, well, Iceland's 300,000 people. It doesn't matter. You know, statistics are statistics. You, you have a lower unemployment rate in Iceland than you do here in the United States by far. You have a, a debt load that's gone. And within uh, uh, the next two years, they won't be, they will have no deficit spending whatsoever. And you look at the, the, the exact uh, opposite path, which is what uh, Greece is on now. Yes, they, mm. they, they've lived beyond their means. They, they, they need to default. They need to say to the banks, look, you loaded it, you, you, we took on, you took on all this debt and lent us this money. Sorry for you. I mean, this... The, you, yeah, you knew we couldn't pay it back. You've got a calculator or you've got enough fingers to count. Of course you knew we couldn't pay it back. Don't be ridiculous, right? Absolutely. But, but you, you see the tactic. If we, can, if we can get Greece to go along... Then you know what? Sorry to interrupt. Maybe it's temperature related. <laughs> you know, because Iceland is cold as a witch's teat, right? So, so maybe if you have to deal with the elements, you get a kind of toughness. So maybe the revolution is going to come from Minnesota. Maybe we should just go down to Minnesota and rile them up. And they're like, damn, <laughs> let's go get them. Or Alaska or something. Maybe it's not going to come from Florida. Uh, and maybe if you're sort of down there in the Mediterranean, it's kind of warm. It's kind of comfortable. You kind of get a little bit more lazy, you know. But maybe uh, uh, in the colder climates, you get that kind of Fargo revolution going on. Anyway, just a bit I of wimps. And that, that, I mean, look, look at the people in, uh, in this awakening movement here. Most of them are in the mountain states or the, or the Midwest uh, because the cold weather keeps our brain intact. When you get out to the warm weather, you just want to chill out on the beach and uh, drink your wine and think it's never going to come to an end. But unfortunately, it is going to come to an end. But the revolution will never be dreadlocked. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Worst slogan ever. I just thought I would share it with you wow. for a moment. Don't put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> Do not put that on a T-shirt. Absolutely. You'd have to put that on, I think, a three-piece suit. But anyway. You might, you might have to. 
I, I see I see a path in Europe that that is very very bleak. I mean, we're going to see uh, Europeans be uh, straddled with this bailout for Greece. But you know, uh, Schobel was in uh, Mexico over the weekend saying that it that it's contained. There's nothing further from the truth. There there is no contain. <laughs> Well, we're in this weird world where the only thing you know is true is the opposite of whatever anyone in power is, is saying. I say, oh, unemployment has gone down by two-tenths of a percent in America. It's like, well, that automatically you know that unemployment has gone up. And all that they're doing is they're no longer counting the people who've given up looking for work because they're no longer unemployed, you see. They vaporized. They've been shot into space. I don't know, right? And oh. so the, uh, yeah, they say, oh, the U.S. economy is improving. That all you know is that it's getting worse and they're jigging the numbers. We're in this weird, like, you have to look at this. We're like an old-timey photographer who's got to judge the picture by looking at the negative. Everything's the opposite of what's being talked about. It's 1984. I mean, it's Newspeak. Yeah. It's Newspeak is what it is. And, and you're right. You're absolutely right. That could be proven. You know, 8.3% 8, unemployment, sure. You create 1.2 million non-persons, and then you can drop the, the participation rate. And magically, uh, for the 2012 election, we'll get the uh, numbers down to where they promised it would be if we spent a trillion dollars that we didn't have borrowing 40 cents uh, of every dollar. Yeah, if you, if you create a bunch of public works projects by printing up a bunch of money, you can lower the unemployment. But that's like getting rid of appendicitis by shooting cocaine directly into the wound. Okay, I feel better, but I don't think I'm going to do well in the long run. <laughs> With only about two minutes left, I, I want to get your take on... The, the lifespan on planet Earth of fiat currency, and, and I know it's going to die. Forty years is, is the, uh, the usual time span of, of fiat currency. Do you see this uh, fizzling out here, this experiment of uh, Keynesian fiat money coming to an yeah, end? Yeah, I, I think they're going to do a lot to rescue the Federal Reserve notes. Uh, it is the world's reserve currency. I think they're basically going to start restricting the money supply, and then we're going to get a depression. It depends whether the if – they, if they restrict the money supply uh, to, to maintain the value of the dollar – We'll get a, a depression, uh, and if they then liberalize the economy, we'll be out of it in 18 months. If they keep all of the rules, taxes, regulations, hundreds of thousands of new regs passed every year, uh, then and they collapse the value. Uh, sorry, and they increase the value of the currency by printing less, then we'll be in a permanent depression uh, until we wake up. But I think there's a, a level of knowledge here at the moment, Charlie, that we didn't have in the past. The Austrian economics has done a great job of showing that inflation is always and forever a monetary phenomenon. The business cycle is well understood by, I think any decent and honest economist. So I think we have a level of knowledge now. And remember, it's only, you know, the gas prices are so expensive. Only if you're talking about Federal Reserve notes, if you're talking about the price of gold, it's never been cheaper to buy gas with gold. So I think that people have enough knowledge now. Uh, there is enough knowledge uh, out there in the world. There's enough ways to get access to that knowledge uh, that is cheap and easy through the internet and through shows like this, that um, I, th I think we can turn it around. I think that, that we will uh, heal these this this disastrous medieval experiment in uh, re in returning to fascism, uh, and I think we will have a peaceful and and happy future. Uh, it just we just got to work like hell to you know row like hell to turn this thing around before we go over the falls. I absolutely admire and uh, enjoy your optimism, um, and, and I think you're right. I think that we will see. It. I am we'll see absolutely. I agree with you. Let's tear the bandaid off. Let's get the Let's get this brief period of time. You know, if we did one girl a shriek and it's all done. <laughs> that's right. If we'd have done this, if we'd have tore the bandaid in 2008, how much better world will we live in right now? Step oh yeah, we'd be all past it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Stefan Molnay, thank you very much for joining me. Or as we say uh, in uh, you know the redneck uh, part of the country, 
Stefan Molnooks. <laughs> yeah, we got her done. We got her done. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate freedomainradio.com. Guys, uh, I, we've dropped the links into the chat room. I appreciate you coming on here. It's been uh, too long. Uh, I, I've been watching you too long not to invite you before this. It will not be the last time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. 